0: You know, again, listening to it now, you, you hear especially the guitar tracks, and they're so thick. I don't know how they did it. I don't think it really matters how they did it. It's just freaking beautiful.
1: Talking Records podcast. We'll tell you how we found the band, then give you a track-by-track track breakdown of all the songs. So grab your favorite beverage and pull up a seat, today we'll look at another record in its entirety.
2: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Records. My name is Jed, and I'm here with Chris. What's up, Chris? What's up, Jed? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. It feels weird to call you Chris because I've been calling you by your last name since like forever. <laughs> I was going to
0: say, man, I feel like I've called you either
2: Dion or, or Mr. Dion or you've called me Taft or,
0: or some derivative yeah. for a very long time. I don't know. I got a little taken aback. I'm like Jet and Chris. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. We'll go with Tafty. How about that?
0: Yeah. I love it. Okay. Dion. Settled. All
2: right. <laughs> Tafty, we've known each other since third grade. Oh, my God. I don't want to call you my oldest friend because I'm older than you by a day, but. <laughs> True. You're the person I've been calling friend for the longest out of anyone I know.
0: Likewise, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Halibut, right. cowabunga. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. We've connected over so many things. Yeah, Ninja Turtles, drawing, movies, and of course, music. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, for sure. Today, Tafty and I will be talking about Pennywise's 1997 album, Full Circle. Full Circle was released on April 22, 1997 on Epitaph Records. The recording was done at Total Access Recording in Redondo Beach, California. This was the same studio that SST Records had a lot of their early bands record. We've got Randy here to answer a few questions. Hey Randy. Hey hey, Jed. We're trying to fill out our understanding of Full Circle.
3: It's cool that you hit me up. I'm... Um... Totally into answering the questions about Full Circle. What was it like recording it? Total Access.
2: Were you looking to channel some SST magic?
3: Well, of course. Be just being in the South Bay, being around where, you know, Black Flag, the Circle Jerks, uh, the Descendants, bands like that. Especially Black Flag recording it. Who uh, they recorded it? Total Access. That's just it's iconic. Yeah, it's really cool to. Uh, record in places that bands that you love have record in. So I think also it had, uh, you know, it's just, the, it's the local studio. It was great. So, and you know, and when uh, Davis, the owner uh, was really cool, we had a good relationship with him. So it just seemed like the uh, obvious place to record. It was a great studio. It fully, all the, you know, best. It's well-equipped, high-tech gear. Full Circle
2: was produced, engineered, and mixed by Eddie Ashworth. How'd you guys connect with Eddie Ashworth?
3: Uh, Eddie worked on um, About Time. So that was uh, their second record, and I wasn't, I mean, that was the third record. I wasn't on it. Um, So I was on Unknown Road. And then when they recorded About Time, I think they did it at Total Access and I think Eddie was an engineer on that and, he, and they liked him a lot and he uh, did a, you know, great job. So when it came time to doing Full Circle, uh, Eddie got the, uh, the production gig and, you know, producer, engineer, he was the main guy. Um, Coincidentally, Darian Rundle was uh, a second engineer on that album. Did Epitaph boss
2: Mr. Brett ever pop in?
3: Yes, he did. Uh he's he's involved uh with almost all the records except for the the most recent ones. He was involved a lot in the picking of the song, you know, like we'd send him stuff and get his opinion. And, uh, he would come down and, uh, you know, spend time with us and, and give us his opinion on what songs he thought, uh, would be, uh, the best ones to, uh, include on the records. So he did that on full circle also.
2: Tell us a little bit about the setup. Do you remember what
3: kind of gear you used for the recording? Well, for me, I remember part of the reason why we called it Full Circle was because when it all started with everything, you know, because everyone is passionate about making it sound as good as possible. So one of the first, and so then you end up doing, uh, some things get a little ridiculous. So one of the first things uh, that happened that kind of led us towards uh, Full Circle, you know, just being such a great, all-encompassing name for the album, was that when they were setting up the drums, they set them up in in one spot in the drum room and then moved them over about five or six feet, you know, to try to get the best sound, (laughs) to try to get the best room sound, which we we don't even use the room sounds. We use close-up drum mic sounds. So Uh, anyway, so then... They moved the drums over five feet and tried again and then moved the drums over another to the next corner of the room and pretty much by the time we got the drum sound that we liked the drums it was the next day and the drums were in the exact same spot that we started out in so that was full circle anyways um so uh the gear we use i i could just tell you what i used um we went to, we were trying to find the right base. It was probably, I'm just going to say that it was either my, an Ampeg, it was most likely an Ampeg with an SVT. SVT cabinets, what I've always used, and the SVT head. But there might've been a Galen Kruger head. You know, usually you'll go into a DI. Uh, you you know, the base base will go into a DI and also it'll go into an amp. So you have two different channels that you can combine and. And uh, sometimes you'll even have another amp with a distorted sound that you could combine in uh, and mess around with. But I know for the bass, we used uh, we uh, Fletcher was you know wanted a certain sound because his guitar is really you know it's a it's a big full guitar sound. Usually the way uh, recordings go is that the the bass is the full bottom end and the kick drum and and then the guitar is kind of a little higher end of the spectrum, uh, so uh, but Fletcher likes to have a big sound, so we have to find a bass that kind of cuts through and has the right tone. So we went to the guitar center and t- tried probably 20 different basses, and then the one that everyone decided on was probably the c- the cheapest, crappiest bass. It was a Jackson, uh, but it was the low, low-end model, and uh, it was torture to play on. Because the neck kind of moved around and it wouldn't stay in tune. And, and it was like, I um, really had to dig deep into my, uh, quote, expertise. I say that uh, sarcastically, but, um, but maybe not. We were able to make it sound good, but it was. So that that sound of that bass cut through really good. So it was a crappy Jackson. So there's that. Long answer to your uh, question about the gear. Did you guys track live or piece by piece? Uh, we did a lot of live tracking on that album. We practiced probably every day writing songs. We got together. That was like the la- That was wasn't the last one. We did did, did it on uh, full. I mean on straight ahead too. But we got together every day and wrote songs together. So we'd go to the studio at like I don't know eleven in the morning, and we would. S- stay in the studio for a few hours and just write songs from scratch so we practiced and played live um, every day and then we did a demo we we did a we did a demo we went into um, uh, another studio that was owned by Don Dockin that's where we practiced we practiced in his big drum room and we uh, we took a whole day morning to night late late into the night and we played played and mixed uh, one take songs, like 20-something songs, that came out uh, really good, actually. So we knew all the songs. So we, we did play a lot of it live. But uh, when you're in the studio, sometimes, like, you know, if you're in the drum room playing along with the the drums, you know, you're just going to have bleed everywhere. So I think eventually we went back and, you know, you re-record stuff because why not? You're in the studio and your your first couple days were spent... Trying to get the drum sounds and moving everything all over the place, so why not just dig in and do and go overboard on everything? So I think we we uh, eventually re- recorded everything solo. How long did it take you guys to record it, start to finish and and mixing it? It was about probably a month of recording and uh, all that all that first basic track stuff and, and getting the vocals. And then a month to mix it and then remix it and then not, you know, and fix everything from there and then master it a bunch of times. Like we do everything, you know, a bunch of times until we get it right, usually. So it's not the most efficient way to get stuff done, but we get it done. Uh, But, and we're really happy with how that album turned out. It's unique sounding, it's not like your standard sounding record, but it all. It's like it was a perfect representation of of the band, and it was like a kind of a uh a pinnacle of the band at that time, and you know did Jim write all the lyrics to the songs? yeah, Jim wrote for that record uh he pretty much wrote all of the lyrics um except for maybe. Maybe, uh, there might've been, for the most part, he wrote, wrote them all on that one. We try to pitch in, but it's it's gotta be good. Jim does a great job. So if we pitch something in, it just, it has to be, you know, it has to be better than what he's got, which doesn't happen all the time. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Thanks a lot, Randy. We appreciate your time. All right, buddy. Take
2: it easy, Jed. Awesome. This is the second Pennywise studio album to feature bassist Randy Bradbury from the band One Hit Wonder, who replaced original bassist Jason Thursk, who had died from suicide on July 29, 1996. No stranger to the band, Randy had replaced Jason on bass for the Unknown Road album in 1993, when Jason moved to vocals. Singer Jim Lindenberg had quit after the band's debut album, but returned before Unknown Road was recorded. With his return, everyone reverted back to their original roles in the band. Randy was actually supposed to move to rhythm guitar. According to band guitarist Fletcher Drag, in an interview on savagethrills.com, we overstuffed this album with lyrics and pre-choruses and parts and breakdowns and outros. We just made it really, really complicated because I think we were trying to, you know, it was like therapy for us to get in that room and write this album. A lot of the songs have heavy topic matter about Jason's passing. I don't think we really realized what we were doing, because usually we have a pretty set formula, but that album doesn't have a set formula. Fletcher also said on Savage Thrills, We were hurt, so we were just stepping on the gas pedal, I guess. We were in the middle of the Indy 500, and we get done with it, and that was when punk rock was blowing up. Green Day and Offspring and everybody had these hits, And they were selling millions and millions and millions of records, and everybody was trying to get on the radio. I'll never forget, Mr. Brett came for a lunch meeting about the record after he listened to it. He said, look, this record is insane, and there's not one song on here that can go on the radio. It's like balls out, top to bottom, fucking (laughs) high-speed death. We're not going to radio. We're not even going to try to go commercial. We're just going to market this like the punk rock record that it is and just market it as just a hardcore punk rock record from Pennywise. And I think everyone was kind of like, what? We don't get to be on the radio like Offspring and Nirvana, like Rancid, Bad Religion. But at the same time, we were like, we weren't trying to be on the radio. That sums it up. I mean, that this
0: is like nothing that I had ever heard before at, what, 16 years of age. It blew my
2: mind. The entire album was dedicated to the memory of Thirsk, who had been a key songwriter for Pennywise. So Tafty, I want to know, when was the first time you heard Full Circle by Pennywise? You might have to correct me here because I don't want to revise history. I, I feel like,
0: man, it must have been sometime in very, what, very early 97, like after it was released? I, I know for a fact that I hadn't heard any of the recorded stuff, not like a single song. And I mm-hmm. I feel like maybe... You know, maybe they had something on MTV, you know, that old channel that used to play music videos. Oh, um, yeah. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But I, I, I feel like they had something on there where it was like like a couple of live performances from the warp Tour. And, oh, know, really? Yeah. I, I, I don't recall what it was or what songs or whatever, but um, I remember we were starting to get into, you know, kind of after all the grunge and the post-grunge, um, you know, kind of started to fizzle out in 1996 seeing a video of them doing something and you and i were definitely together maybe jack you know we were at uh, it must have been b-side records the one across from uh yeah yeah, across from the academy is that the one yeah right and i I feel like and again unless i'm revising history i feel like you and i both paid our parted money like sight unseen and cash and bought that album and um went home and listened to it and uh the rest is history
2: as I mentioned before, you and I have connected on a million things over the years. <laughs> you were the one who let me borrow the first two Pearl Jam albums in eighth grade. Did I really? Totally. I'm honored. Uh... <laughs> i that
0: you remember that.
2: <laughs> I totally remember that. You and I went to concerts and made tapes at each other's houses. I remember uh, as we were both kind of getting into punk in the mid-90s that Pennywise popped up on our radar almost immediately. You know, I had heard their song Perfect People mm-hmm. on Punkorama rama 2, oh. which was like an epitaph comp. And I, I liked that song a lot. I, you know, it was aggressive and I liked the message. I felt like the, the re- lyrics were, were interesting. It was causing me to think, you know, about my world around me. And somehow, uh, you know, I honestly can't remember where we got them. And now that you mentioned B-Side, I think you're dead on. We were at, a, we were at the record store and somehow we snagged like promo cassette tapes. Do you remember that?
1: I I had like Fight Till that. You
2: Die on yeah. one side yeah. and Final Day on the other. You remember that? Yep. So, you know, I remember popping that tape in and just being mesmerized by the speed and power of those songs.
0: That's exactly it. I mean, that freaking song, Fight Till You Die. I remember, you know, whether it was wow. that cassette
2: or whether it was putting
0: the disc in for the first time, one way or the mm-hmm. other, it was with you. I remember that very vividly. And Fight yeah. Till You Die starting, and it was just freaking urgent, you know? It was, so, yes fast and even the intro you know like it started with that like um i don't know the sound is going to be really terrible over the you know over the speaker but like that and it pauses oh yeah
2: yeah yeah like
0: a punch in the face
2: you know man and flecker drags guitar sounded just like a like a chainsaw you know buzzing heavy guitar seriously i had no idea who this dude was and i remember learning about what happened to the band's bassist and a friend had told me that you know Jason had written a lot of the songs in the band's back catalog the album was all black except for the gray pennywise logo and i just remember right. that being really ominous and there was like a real darkness to to what was already a pretty dark album yeah man i mean very
0: very very spartan and um you know at, at 16 17 years old it looked badass
2: but Totally. <laughs> uh, little,
0: little did we know how like how much pain these guys were going through.
2: Yeah. I mean, listening to the music and knowing that context just made like the, every listen very like meaningful. Like you were really listening to the words because you knew that these guys were singing from the heart about the passing of their friend. And, uh, you know, it's a haunting album, but at the same time, very powerful and a really great tribute to it. To their friend.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I mean, the older we 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 both get, and you know, I admittedly haven't listened to it in a while until very, very recently. You know, I had texted you. It's like an old friend. I hear the album, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. like this is my, you know, th- this is 17, you know. Hearing it from a context of being the age we are now. I mean, these dudes were what, 27, 28, 30? I don't know, man. I I, I not fathom. You know, we think about our close-knit group of friends and Mm-hmm. And what they went through with, um, you know, especially how sudden and traumatic it was, I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, it was a, like you said, a raw album. There, there are songs on it that are straight up pure punk. You know, the hell with the establishment. And there's a bunch on there that's like really, really cathartic,
2: very emotional. And I think you know, even not really knowing, knowing the full context, like at first listen, second listen, third listen, you could just tell this was a record. Written by a bunch of guys who are just pouring everything they had into it. I mean that comes through. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you ready to break this thing down track by track? (laughs) Oh
0: oh, man, where do we start? Obviously with fight till you die.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: A great way to kick off this record. With extremely tight drumming over heavy guitar, this is a stand-up and fight song. Jim sings, See it in the faces of the people every day. We need to take control and find some ammo right away. Our cause is righteous, and we're gonna have our say. Get ready for the judgment day. Nothing's gonna really change if you hide away and, and don't take action. And I think the band is saying that you know, their ammo his bullets or, or, or words, probably uh, the band challenges anyone who will listen to stand up and fight because the time for payback has arrived. You know, we were what, 17 years old. I don't know. I, like, I think we came from pretty
0: good upbringings and um, yeah. you know, we're, we're hearing this band sing about, you know, I got the lyrics in front of me here, a puppet government. They're dying in the streets, you know, families breaking up, mm. you know, cause underpaid mm-hmm. can't make ends meet. Like, really really heavy stuff you know things aren't all rosy for everybody and um w- when the you know the chorus kicks in go ahead and try kiss your ass goodbye like just mind-blowing like they they started this album with just uh, again just like a punch in the face like man
2: i mean they're urging us you know not to become complacent and, and give up on things and yeah as a 17 year old like i probably could have been a little bit more aware of the world around me and songs like this just gave me pause to be like wow, you know, there's some crazy stuff going on out in the world, and maybe it's time to start paying closer attention to it. Yeah, man, for sure. Not
0: everybody lives like me. (laughs) You know, it's unreal. (laughs) (laughs) Really eye-opening, and that's part of the positivity of it, you know? As visceral and cathartic as the album is, it was, you know, right off the bat, it's like,
2: you know, just a real eye-opener. And the band is saying, you know, stand up, fight, because, you know, this is what people in power like governments and large business owners want. They want people to be complacent. They want people to just, okay, go along with things and a docile society that becomes so used to acts of greed and manipulation, uh, that, you know, they just go along with it and that's, it's like unfathomable, but it happens. Yep. Yep. For sure. And, uh, one of the other things, you know, looking at the lyrics here that,
0: um, again, I never would have thought of this at 17, but all these years later I look at them and, um, there's promise in it too, you know, I mean, it Mm. might be terrifying Mm. if you're part of the, you know, the quote unquote establishment, but um, you know, one of the lyrics, you know, the another part of the chorus is the establishment has put their money underground because they all know what's coming down,
2: Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's a great line. And it's like,
0: man, (laughs) I don't know. At 17, I never would have fathomed that. I never would have really understood it. It was just kick-ass music, but you know, do the math 23 years later. It's like, man,
2: All right, next song, Date with Destiny. Jim sings, did you live like a dream come true or did you just survive? Did you do all you could do? This is a song about living your life like it's in its final moments. What would you do if you had one more day to live? You'd do everything you could, right? In this song, the band presents scenarios where someone's time is numbered. And there's great examples of that, Tap You run away, train careening off the track, wow. the last breath before a heart attack. <laughs> it, it's uh, unbelievable. Unbe-
0: and, like the thing I love about this song, I don't know, a, a zillion songs by Pennywise. Uh, where do you start? Mm-hmm. With the content or with like the technical stuff? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I know. Like those
0: freaking drums. How can they be that fast?
2: They're just so great. They're just
0: pounding away. Now, who is that? That's yeah. Byron uh, McMacken right? Is that his name? Yeah. 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 Unreal. The, I mean, the kid was like mid-20s, late-20s. And I, I just remember those drums being uh, just blistering. I'm like, how can anybody do that? Yeah, like you said, more importantly, though, the lyrics. Like, this song is carpe diem, like pure and simple.
2: Great lyrics. What would you do with just one more hour, you know? Right. Live that hour out every day like it was your last. You'll live much better that way. Man. Just a great stuff to think about and you know, that message of life is precious and all the trivial stuff seems less important when your destiny is laid out for you. For
0: sure, for sure.
2: Another cool thing, you were talking about the technical aspect. I love the way Fletcher's guitar lines are always grabbing like extra chords on the way to the next one. You know what I'm talking about? Exactly. Like you won't just yeah. He won't just go from one chord to the next. So like go to what he'll start on one chord and then slide up to another chord, but grab an extra one along the way. I don't really know how to describe it, but uh, honestly, I think that's a great way to describe it. That's yeah.
0: really, And I mean, the, like I've never thought of it in that sense. And that's a really, yeah. a, a really cool way to phrase it. Like he, he gets this intermediate sort of, sort of chord on his way up to what he's going to play next. And yeah. and that and the freaking speed he's doing it it's
2: unbelievable right, yeah. it's unreal you know He'll snag like a minor chord on his yeah, way to the next major yeah. and I just, I've always thought that was really cool and I love that about, about his playing that's
0: yeah th- I've, I've never thought of it in that sense that's really I- exactly you know you hit it right on the head it's unreal
2: next track is Get a Life
1: Get a Life
2: Dude, great song! Oh. I love this song. I love the way bassist Randy is able to shine a little in this one. He's like up and down the neck of his bass, playing these great lines. Yes, it's unreal. And that breakdown where he's just like, it's like totally awesome, right? <laughs>
0: right. So the other thing, you know, I, I think about like you know, Randy's bass line is obviously crazy. The other thing I wonder about is the um, the intro with Fletcher Drag. Like I. Mm. I remember at, you know, again, late teens, hearing that, bah, bah, ticka, ticka, doh, doh, doh. like not just Mm-mm. not fathoming how he could do that so quickly, you know, yeah. and, um, do you remember I had a, um, oh, shoot, I don't remember what magazine it was. I had some guitar magazine. Um, oh, the like Guitar yeah, World or something? Yeah, 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 Do you remember <laughs> that? It had like an interview with Fletcher's Drag. Did it? I don't remember. Yeah, but... and basically what he had, and, you know, I, I would look at these things. They'd be like the Bible, you know. And yeah um, oh my
2: god yeah i remember those you to collect them
0: yeah yeah and fletcher
2: taught They'd give you like four free tabs. exactly oh
0: my god i gotta learn every note and i couldn't play like four of them but um i remember in this one I, I wish i still had the thing i don't know you know fletcher was talking about and it had to be around the time of full circle we must have been like juniors, seniors in high school you know all he had to say about the speed was oh it's all on the wrist you know I'm sitting there, like trying (laughs) to get my wrist to like play these fast things. I'm like, shit, I can't do it. (laughs) I know, yeah. But you know, thinking about even some of the lyrics, I mean, the chorus—it's another one where it's you know, it's ode Mm. to getting off your
2: ass and doing something. You know, you don't, you don't try. Sit there and whine. Give it one chance before you die. It's a song about people who just sit back and whine about how bad things are without doing anything about it.
0: Yeah, yep. And I mean, prior to us picking up this album, I hadn't really heard anything
2: like that. It was an ode to just getting off your ass and making your life good. Jim sings, criminals in power want to take your rights away. Never hear your protests. They won't let you have your say. Can't find a better way, but you just don't try. Or you, but you don't just try. Sit there and whine about your decline. I love that. Criminals man, in power. Criminals in power. Like <laughs> chew on that for a few minutes, 23 years later, you know, man. Oh man, He's got his finger firmly pointed at those people in our society who, you know, don't think for themselves. Don't pay attention to the world around them and just blindly follow along as they're being led astray. Yep. For sure. I love how he says, um, there's a line every day, procrastinate. You won't get very far. Listen to religion. Try to tell you who you are. Yep. Marionettes on TV sets parade across your screen, but you don't know what it all means. Yep. (laughs) It's uh, poetry, man. It's unreal. It's so good. I used to just pour over these lyrics and read them and be like, damn, I wish I could write songs like this, you know?
0: And like beyond that, you know, you write the lyrics, that's one thing, but he delivers them like a machine gun.
2: Yeah. And
0: I mean, hearing these songs, you know, there are certain times when, depending on the mood I was in, I would hear them and I would hear just the music. You know what I mean? And... Mm -hmm any Pennywise, I mean, any, you know, multitude of albums by various artists, you might listen to, you know, more introspectively in another context and and really hear the lyrics. And yeah. there's some really, really profound, you know, messages in a lot of this. And it's being delivered like pop really, really quickly.
2: I totally agree. I just, I love, I love his delivery. I love, I love how it's coupled with the music. It's just, it's perfect. I mean, that's why we, that's why we fell in love with this stuff. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yep. All right, the next song is Society. This song starts in with the drums and bass and just builds up as the guitar rises up. Society devises how you'll pay. Jim sings over driving drums. Another classic Pennywise tune in which they practically beg people to think for themselves. <laughs> but, Taft, yeah, don't you kind of think that these guys were preaching to the choir a little bit? I,
0: I would say so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, they're longtime listeners, I would imagine, and, and people yeah. who... Uh, you know, had that kind of, I don't know the right term, like socio-political, you know, kind of thought process would be like, yeah, man, totally. You said it. Mm -hmm. Uh, In this one, you know, I remember really, really, really digging this when we first heard it. But um, even now, this one on this album, it's one of my more recent favorites. Technically, that bass intro by Randy.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my
0: God. I love it. I love it. Genius. You know, it's so but um, the other thing that I remember really liking about this song, and this is really shallow, I'm like, holy shit, this is maybe like the one guitar part I might be able to actually try to play. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I, I mean? Can do that. Yeah
1: yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah,
0: It's the one thing that's not going at like warp speed. Like, man, I'm going to try to play some Fletcher <laughs> Drag Pennywise, you know? Yeah, but, um, totally. You know, you said it though. I mean, talking about the lyrics, um, you know, the repetition, society, we all know there's something wrong. We've noted all along. Things I didn't get at the time, but I think about now. Uh, Pay your taxes, stand in line, help them plan for your demise. It's like, holy crud.
2: I always remember listening to this stuff and wishing that it was on the radio. Yeah. Yep. You know, or like, or more front and center in the lives of, you know, the general populace. I mean, in 1997, we were being bombarded with like Puff Daddy, R. Kelly, the Spice Girls, that freaking Umba song. Oh my God, right? You know, a, a quick look at the top 100 radio hits of 1997 reveals fewer than 10 rock bands oh. on the chart and hardly any of what I call political songs. I mean, can you imagine if people were going around listening to music about positive change and, like, you know, watching your, each other's backs and holding the government accountable rather than, like, Mo Money, Mo Problems and the Macarena? <laughs> Seriously,
0: man. I mean, you know, we, we had the... Uh... So thinking about like, you know, like around the grunge era, you had a certain amount of cynicism over right. certain things. But all of a sudden that just went like poof, like gone. And we didn't realize it. I mean, at least I didn't. You know, 95, 96, it, it just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden we were right. filled with, like you said, just like bubblegum.
2: Yes. Puffed out yeah, got all of Yeah. <laughs> and
0: And all of a sudden we hear this underground stuff, you know, talking about society not being as as polished and nice as, as it appears, you know, Mm -hmm. and the thing that I remember finding kind of, you know, interesting about it after the fact, as I think about it, I'm like, you know, right now, 20, you know, 2020 in the midst of everything going on, I'm like, man, you know, 97 Bill Clinton. Oh, times were tough, you know, I know. (laughs) but for, for us, they weren't, but for a lot of people, they really were. And um, yeah. I wasn't really too aware of that. And uh, th- this is one thread that, you know, kind of made me more aware of that, I guess.
2: I mean, according to Fletcher Drag on SavageStrolls.com, he said, we were talking about it's our job as human beings and the youth of the world to get in there and fix the problems, like changing the course of humanity because this fucking world we live in is so out of control. It doesn't matter if you're talking about politics or corporations or healthcare or famine whatever global warming the next the next generations are the ones that are going to change the course of humanity and here we are so many years later and is it worse <laughs> for sure you know i
0: mean uh, you know the guy's a, a six foot five gigantic you know crazy buddha you got a problem.
2: This song fades up, and right from the first line, you know it's going to be an emotional one. As mentioned, the band's original bassist, Jason Thursk suffered from depression and alcoholism. At the age of 28, he took his own life, leaving friends and family behind. The band considered actually breaking up at that point, but saw making music as not only a way to push through the pain, but to honor their friend. While many of the songs on this album deal with society and politics, a bunch of them deal with life sadness anger and living in the wake of losing a loved one
0: knowing what these guys went through um this at least strikes me i mean who am i to say but it it really strikes me as the first really intimate or um Mm -hmm. sort of cathartic song of the album like really the first song that i think speaks to um to jason thirsk and what happened with him i mean the lyrics are 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 mind-blowing it's not a, a slow song but um Right off the bat, I mean, got a problem, you don't know it, don't know how long you can suffer it. Um, That quiet, palm-muted intro, and then it just punctuates in before, you know, Randy comes into the bass line.
2: This song seems to me it's about trying to help someone when you see them reach that point where it's clear they need the help. But not everyone is able to receive that help. Jim sings, don't know how long it's been inside you, but you weren't feeling right together we could always solve your problems but now you're out of sight yeah how many times did i ask what's going on yeah
0: and that i mean that that honestly that's just i'm no joke that gave me goosebumps
2: all right let's move on to broken Cause I've been used, been abused, I've been bruised, I've been broken, and I'm backed up against the wall. But my will to survive can't be stolen, and you can't make me fall. Damn, the song is great. Oh. <laughs> okay, man. This song for me is
0: all about you, me, and Jack's first Warp Tour, 1997. Oh, man.
2: You, <laughs> that was enough. the most okay, fun. Okay, so
0: Pennywise was playing right before. They were like the co-headliner with the Mighty Mighty Boston's. And yeah, my yeah. mind was blown. Dickie Barrett came out to sing the song with Pennywise.
2: Oh, yeah, that was awesome. And it was
0: like, no way. Like, I liked the song when I heard it. It was like, yeah. you know, after that more cathartic final day, you, you come to broken and you're like, holy shit, like these guys are, you know, just ready to rock. And seeing it live a few months after, a couple of months after we bought the album, just again mind blown no matter what life throws at you you can make it like just this positive you know f you to anything that's holding it down type of song
2: In, in both live and on the on the record i just love the way the guitar solo in the song just rises up out of the you know out of like the chunky distortion it's such a cool effect with the solo the way it just kind of like rises up
0: absolutely man it's got like this surf surf-esque kind of like bending intro yeah. wow, wow, wow. and mm-hmm. it, you know mm-hmm. it just blazes through and even the outro like, of the solo it's got like these harmonized yeah. i don't know how to describe it you know like these weird yeah. kind of like higher pitched just
2: bending yeah
0: yeah 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 and then you know jim comes in after that when i think i can't go on want to stay like oh man yeah you know like no yeah. matter <laughs> what i'm i'm gonna Freaking, keep on going, and oh, yep. just so good. And yep. um, the funny thing about this song, is like I, I made a couple of notes on this one, you know, I've I, I don't know, I, I can't even count how many times I've seen this guys live, but um, they
2: they played "Broken" every single time I've seen them. All right, next song is "Running Out of Time." This is another classic Pennywise song about how humans are basically doing a terrible job in their role on this earth. (laughs) (laughs) Jim says, we're killing off the planet. The end is drawing near. Brother fighting brother, a world interned by fear. If we don't try and stop it, we'll slowly start to die. Got this one last chance to try. And you know man? They're so right. They, they
1: they're running right. out of time. That right. right
2: there is some heavy shit, and they are not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> they're not kidding. I mean, and things have gotten worse since 1997, yeah. you know? And I fear that a lot of the damage we've done as humans just can't be undone. Oh, man. Despite
0: that, though, this like yeah, to yeah, me, yeah. at least this is another, you know, kind of like the the second song of the album. It's another carpe diem, you know, like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. if you want a future, you decide. I mean, he shouts, it, really? he shouts it going into the chorus. Yeah. I love it.
2: Definitely. Um,
0: so despite yeah. the, uh, the, you know, the pessimism of it, there's still that notion of like, you make a difference. You've got to do it you know that that theme throughout the whole album you got to take care of the planet you got to challenge the government you know one part in the verse I, I made a note of you know what again I'm looking through this of the lens of 23 years later roughly but um, right ancient spent religions serve to separate the race into tribes that fight each other system must be replaced mm. like holy crap
2: That's <laughs> And so true. Yeah, man. yep. It's, it's... I always loved Pennywise and, you know, Bad Religion, too, for the message in the lyrics. Absolutely. You know, while, while Bad Religion relied on a lot of imagery and references to literature, Pennywise always just went right for the jugular. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, Greg Griffin was, yeah. you know, he's like, I got a PhD. I'm going to eat you a little more subtly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jim Lindbergh's like, no, 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 I, I'm going to bite right into it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. You know, you think about like technically with this uh, this particular song. I mean it's a really, really good, mm-hmm. like you said, straightforward, classic, if you want to call it that pennywise song. The ending. I love the ending. Just totally abrupt. Mm-hmm. Running out of
2: cut. time. Absolutely yeah. Cut. Oh yeah, yeah. They don't even say they time. They don't even do they? say time.
0: They just freaking cut. And it's like yeah. a
2: it's a great way to end side a.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Boom. it's like you feel like they should say time. And it just has yeah. such an effect
2: because it's it's so abrupt. Cool. All right, flip the record over, and we are starting Side B with You'll Never Make It.
1: You'll never make it. You'll
2: so this song takes on a slightly different tone lyrically. I'm not sure if Jim wrote all the lyrics to these songs. I, I feel like he did. When I talked to Randy, he said that, you know, Jim wrote most of them. But the other guys, I think, would, would throw some ideas in. I don't know if any of the guys had input. But to me, like when I read it, it just it, it feels the tone of the song feels a little different. So I'm mm, yeah, I wonder. Jim sings immortal state of mind, but we're the dying kind extinguishing the breed throughout all history. Never can surrender. You can't give up the game. Never won the fight. You're best prepared to die. I mean,
0: there's a um, a desperation, you know. I mean, more urgency, you know, in his vocals, you know, throughout all this. It's really possibly one of the dark around the albums. Yeah, it's pretty dark. I'm looking at the lyrics here. When you hear those voices calling you to the grave, stop wasting all your days. Start living it right away. I mean, there's positivity again. You can hear a sort of desperation in it.
2: Yeah, it's another make the best of your opportunity song. But yeah, in this one, he's not encouraging someone to go out and do that. He seems to be speaking to someone who has not made the most of their life. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's in that first sure. face, like, you'll never make it, you know, which is true, I guess. If, if you give up and you don't try hard to lead a decent life, you're not going to make it. That, that's a really good point, yeah. I mean, I never really thought of it in that regard. Like,
0: some of these songs prior have been a little bit more, I guess, in the moment. This one seems like... Yeah like time is running out. Uh, technically, the, the, the one thing I really recall loving about the song is that, oh my God, that, I don't know how you would describe it, that staccato sort of drum intro. Oh you
2: know, yeah, you, he's uh, like uh, rolling uh, on that great drum Oh my God, yeah. and
0: then, you know, credit to Randy, that fast bass line, he comes in right on the drum intro.
2: It's a kind of song that to me feels perfect for a live show, and everyone in the crowd can like shout yeah. the chorus back at the band. Like it seems just perfect, tailored for like the live Absolutely. show. Absolutely.
0: And I, I can't recall necessarily seeing it live, but again, man, goosebumps. That's what I get with these guys.
2: <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on to Every Time. Every time I
1: try to say exactly how I feel. And when I look at you, I see a different inside It's every time.
2: This is one of the few relationship songs in the band's catalog. Well, I I mean, I'm sure they have many, but on this album, there are definitely very few. (laughs) Jim sings, every time I try to say exactly how I feel, Mm -hmm. and when I look at you, I see a different side each and every time. It seems to be about not being able to communicate uh, with somebody. He's trying to get his feelings out, but he's not able to do it. Mm. And it's possible that the two people in this relationship are on different pages. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. They have, they have different expectations in the relationship and they're just not seeing eye to yeah. eye. Jim sings, I'll never be who you want me to be. She clearly has an expectation from him that he is unable or maybe unwilling to deliver.
0: Uh, I'm not going to lie. I never thought of it in that regard, but I, I'm looking at the lyrics. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you yeah. know, this was another one. It was an early favorite of mine. You know, I remember we're in late high school and just really liking it, like technically. It was mostly, the, you know, the guitar line. Uh, I really like the guitar and and I like Jim's verses a lot. You know, he had sort of like a call and response sort of thing to it. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you
0: think about the verses like he'd, you know, he'd kind of sing the first line and then shout the second line.
2: I was going to mention this earlier, but I feel like Jim really found his vocal style on this album. On the first two Pennywise albums, he does this weird thing where he like holds minor notes, almost like he's like in a grunge yeah, band. You ever notice that? Absolutely. Even? Yep. He Kind of like, like shimmy or like he'll kind of like waver his vocals a little yeah, bit. For sure. For sure. And by about time, he had dropped, he had sort of dropped that style. And I feel like by this album, he really streamlined his delivery. The style and feel of this record, it's urgency in the way his vocal delivery is like right in your face. Are just one of the many standout things about this album. Absolutely, and again, I feel like he just—he really found his voice on.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's you know, it's a really great observation he made there. Like, you know, we we heard this album as being their first. Like, this was their intro to us. You know.
2: Yeah. It was first term, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And we go back. We hear like about time, and you go back to, you know, unknown road, and they're self-titled. And you're mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, this was yeah. really really mature, and especially for everything they were going yeah. through dude was able to sing <laughs> you know yeah i remember really you know 97 98 just loving you know they have this ripping guitar solo fletcher drag plays and mm-hmm. after that guitar solo everything goes quiet and randy's bass just comes up front dun dun, dun 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 and after that you know jim's vocals it was the one part on the album i really feel like i remember he he was singing them but they almost sounded more spoken you know what i mean all of these mm-hmm. images yep. start cutting co- no, i'm not doing jim Lindbergh any justice don't get me wrong but um, <laughs> i remember hearing that in you know even on my my crappy cd disc man whatever that just mm-hmm. ringing in my head like yeah, it was just, yeah, just, it's just a like pump, a moment right. of quiet on the album that just it, it it sticks with me
2: yeah a lot of great memorable moments yeah on this record. yeah all right next track nowhere
1: fast Shall you spend your life for big reality? A win's fight is number two be three. Look my death for the Mala Parkway The end time you take away from me. Let only the sympathy.
2: A song about quote closed-minded fools and their hypocrisy. The band has had enough of people forcing their views on others. Jim sings, And so you exercise your own free will. I exercise my fucking right to kill. <laughs> well, I don't think of Pennywise as a band that condones or encourages violence. You can certainly gather the exasperation <laughs> in his message. You know, yeah. the song could be aimed at any number of these groups that hold their beliefs and ideas over other people. There's a real sentiment in this country that some groups think they're more important than others or groups that hold a very closed-minded uh, perception of what others believe. Unfortunately, in our political climate, both of the main parties in this country seem equally guilty of this mindset.
0: Hell yeah, man. They're, they're freaking two football teams as far as I'm concerned. Man, th- this song, you, you took the, the key lyrics right out of my mouth. This song is choppy, <laughs> freaking raw, just yeah, awesome, intense, punk, oh. you know, punk music. The thing that I really love, though, I remember listening to this when, you know, again, we're we're 17, 18 years old, you know, I exercised my fucking right to kill, but it's, you know, it's, it sounds really violent and aggro, but there's another, there's another part to that lyric. He says, after that, your vicious lies, you propagate your swill of your whole kind. I've had my fill. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know to take it like, you know, does it end at right to kill or does it end at, you know, right to kill your vicious lies, you propagate,
2: you know what I mean? So it's like a continuation I, of that I thought. wonder,
0: because the, the song pauses at that mm. point, but yeah. it, it looking at the lyrics in the liner notes, it looks like it continues through. So I exercise my fucking right to kill your vicious lies.
2: Yeah, no, you might be dead on though, because <laughs> it would be more consistent with their message, you know, Yeah, to kill your lies, to, to, to challenge you, to expose you for, for what you are. So
0: either, you know, we're not giving Jim Lindbergh enough credit for being freaking hardcore, just your right to kill, or we're, <laughs> we're not, you know, being bamboozled by the fact that it's like, Oh, it's more about the lies you propagate and your you know, the swill of your whole kind. I've had my fill. <laughs> Can I talk about the technical aspect that I love that chugging breakdown? Oh.
2: Mm. oh, man. I
0: don't know. What is it like? I don't know. It's a Pennywise song. It's gotta be like halfway through but yeah. uh, jim lindberg <laughs> comes in with these like sing-song lyrics what i get from you is your ah oh, i love it killer oh, yeah
2: it's oh. so good yeah they were you know like in the intro and i mentioned that fletcher talked about just putting so many different parts and so many different outros yeah. and intros and, and different parts in this record i mean there's so many great parts like that just these little quick bridges or these quick sections like a pre-chorus or something that are just so memorable and so yeah, good.
0: for sure i mean hearing jim limberg you know what i get from you is your bullshit attitude i'm like damn, man yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> you dad. know like all right <laughs> like sorry yeah, yeah. i didn't mean to <laughs> all right all right <laughs> yeah, i'll try to cut the bullshit
2: <laughs> <laughs> next track is what if i
1: I've heard it all before hear it all, and more. playing with me all the time and no one feels the same is all
2: again. it's hard for me to pick a favorite song on this album because I really like so many I mean fight till you die final day broken this song is definitely up there
0: yeah man we're, we're cut from the same cloth. I've, I've got my notes in front of me. This was another one. I, yeah. I, I wrote right here another early favorite of mine. I
2: yeah. I like this
0: song right off the bat. You know, I mean, again, yes. it's got that, technically, you know, it's got that call and response sort of thing. Like, hey, try, you want an alibi? You know what I mean? Or, hey, die, I'm sorry. Hey, die, you want an alibi? I mean, really just unreal,
2: just so powerful. Crowd participation, like it really speaks to this, like communal vibe. I think they were going for like, pull your people close. You know, we're community, we're family. Yeah,
0: what if I had done more? What if I tried?
2: Uh, absolutely. Was there nothing more that you could do? What would you do different next time? Ugh. So, this is obviously in reference to Jason's suicide, mm-hmm. and he's wondering if you could change things, if you could do things different, live your life over again, would you change mm-hmm. things? Yeah. people are left behind in the wake of of something like this, it's very hard to come to grips with what happened. And I'm sure the surviving members of the band went through really difficult times of wondering how they could have helped or done things differently or uh, just anything. There are so many references to addiction in the song and to the struggles, which kept him from touring uh, at times during the band's career. And eventually it was believed that he had left the band because you know, you didn't want to tour. Yeah, right. And Jim or, or, you know, the the band as a whole are looking back on it and they're just like, you know, how could we have helped? How could we have done things differently? How come we didn't see what it, this was?
0: Exactly. I mean, you, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, it's just absolutely tragic. You know, it's again, one of those many things to hear at 17 and another thing to process mm-hmm. at the right. ages we're at now. I couldn't fathom, you know, I, I couldn't imagine. I think about like our close knit group of friends and, Mm-hmm. You know, being 28 to 32 years old, and and something like that happening so suddenly, and I almost feel disrespectful saying it, like violently. And these guys dealing with that and questioning it: what could we have done possibly different? Is really, uh, it's very, it's something very real to be
2: invited into in an album. And you know, probably nothing. I mean, there's probably nothing that they no, could have done. No, no way. And, and you know, they feel they feel bad mm-hmm. and. They're trying to come to grips with it, but in reality, there's there's really not much people can do, and this is their way of sort of processing that and working through a lot of you know emotions and, and feelings. Yeah, and it feels weird to say it, but the song is like you know it's it's very melodic, it's very catchy. It's it's weird to say like a song of this nature is catchy, but I always loved the melody yeah. of the song. Like it always stood out to me as being just a really. No,
0: no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad he mentioned that. I mean, it's got like a really, you know, you're you're a vocalist in a punk band, for God's sake, like you really know. But I mean, it's got like a a really sing songy sort of pre chorus into chorus. It's it's just catchy. And you you almost feel bad. I don't know, getting it stuck in your head. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a a, an intimate song, you know, to have such a catchy sort of sound to it is really kind of
2: a, you know, just kind of a mixed sort of bag. All right, moving on to the next song, Go Away. Corporations run the nation. We have to make a stance. Let's start a revolution. If we can't, no one can. We must be represented or it's not democracy. Let's put our minds together and soon comes victory. Like many of the songs on this record, the band is basically saying, hey, shit sucks and we're not going to put up with it anymore. It's no secret that large corporations and the millionaires who own them have a huge impact on the policies of our government. And it's not a new thing. I mean, (laughs) In the early 1900s, J.P. Morgan held enormous influence over the nation's lawmakers and finances. I mean, look at today. Look at today with all the millions of dollars in campaign donations. It's, it's, oh, that's got to be fake news, though, right? (laughs) Oh, of course. I mean, it's like, you don't, you don't think some like backroom promises are being made along with these donations? No, of
0: course not.
2: (laughs) Just, it's like, yeah, it's called fake news. It's like stuffed under the rug. It's ignored. It's not, it's not owned up to. Yeah, man. I mean, this song, this song is
0: a, again, I'm going to swear. It's a straight up, like, fuck the establishment pug song.
2: It's like, we know what you're doing, you know, we know what you're doing and it's just not said enough. Not enough people are talking about this kind of stuff. And that's, I think that's what frustrates bands like Pennywise and Bad Religion and Anti-Flag and, you know, people who are reading the news and paying attention to what's going on. It's just, it, there's not enough of a big deal about these things. People are not outraged. Absolutely. And part yeah. of what I like, I, I really like
0: about this song is it's not only like a we're outraged, but it's kind of a warning, you know? Like you hear, I don't know if it's like the, mm. the pre-chorus or the chorus, but salvation's on its way. When we are united, there's nothing right. standing in our way. It's like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, our cause is righteous. Yeah. We're going to have our say. I'm like, man,
2: like a train yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, in this song also, this has one of my. I remember this, like from when we first got this album, and I'm like, you know, I, I wouldn't have known what it would have meant or what it would have meant to me, but I'm like, it just sounded freaking cool. You know, thinking yeah. now though, like some of the lyrics in it. What good is government when they just want to govern me? Yeah. <laughs> like man,
2: <laughs> the best government is that that governs least. <laughs>
0: Again, you know, to go to the technical aspect, we got to stand together. We got to make some noise. And somebody's in the back. I don't know who it is going. Gah!
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love it. Part. I love it. It's
0: just such a freaking punk song, you know?
2: And that same person, I think it's probably Fletcher, because at the end of the song, like right at the end, when they're when they're repeating the "Go away, go away," you just hear Fletcher. I think it's Fletcher just come out his big, loud voice. You're never gonna go away, (laughs) and that's how the song ends. I gotta listen. I always love it. Yeah, man, I
0: gotta listen to it like after we're
2: done with this, for like the five
0: thousandth time to hear that now. You know, (laughs) but man, and again, hearing that like this just straight up, just freaking punk song after something as as, as visceral as like "What if I." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, mm-hmm. they just come out with this, like, you know, this is just, yeah. you know, this is how shit is. And, you know, you got to question it and try to make it better. You know, they, they mm-hmm. just take you one direction and go
2: to the other. All right. I really want to get into Did You Really? really
1: want to die? The question now keeps repeating in my mind. in the night Say it tell want to die?
2: I don't even know how to start this one, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, a, you know, this
1: song is the one man. That
0: I've got. To, I'll put it this way: I've got this is the one that I have the most, like in the notes that I made, the most dots that I have next to. Like, I don't right. really know what to say.
2: I know you it's know? it's powerful, it's emotional, it's yeah, incredibly personal. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. There's a handful of songs on this record that deal with the passing of Jason Thirsk, and they're all pretty powerful. This one, and obviously the last track, the one coming up next, bro, him, mm. the heartstrings. But man, this fucking song. Oh my god. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, the the lyrics alone. I mean, a, a shot heard in the night, an unheard
0: cry. Mm-hmm. You know, did you really want to die like that? I mean, that's as literal as it gets.
2: This question now keeps repeating in my mind. Yeah, I feel
0: sort of disingenuine putting myself in their minds here. You know, right. I, I can't fathom it. But
2: um, right. I mean, that's that, that seems to me really literal, you know? They're just really trying to make sense of, you know, why a person would take their life, why death would be better than living. Uh,
0: yeah, we're all brothers. We could help each other.
2: Yeah. Jim sings, one thing I've regretted is I'll never really know. <clears throat> Value what's been given to you and me. How many times we said it, living isn't free. Man. So the yep. song, you can just hear him pleading with Jason directly uh, to yeah. let him help, you know? He's a phone call away, and he'd offer up solutions. It's just it's heart-wrenching, man. Right. This song is just heart-wrenching. And I mean, we're talking in terms of recording. I mean, they, they recorded this, what, months?
0: A uh, 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 mere months, I think, after you know, Jason's suicide, I believe. I mean, it wasn't that long. Yeah. It's, it's just, I mean, to come from like, go away, which is just like, you know, again, it's going to punch you in the face and take your lunch money.
2: Right. Um, yeah. Putting what if I, what if I, and then did you really on opposite side or on other sides of go away? smart Because putting these two together would have been like,
0: exactly. Exactly. It's really just kind of alarming. You know, Mm. it's really, um, just sobering, you know, I mean, okay. just again, another another goosebump type of song. I mean, knowing the context now that we we didn't necessarily know until we looked into more of it as teenagers, you know, and empathizing a lot with with the ages these guys were at and the, the friendships they had. It's yeah, just really, really deep. If I may, this is another one, though, if you think about technically, it's got another I mean, that tension building, abrupt sort of ending.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. You know, like they've, they've got a late song, I don't know, last quarter to third of the song, like that, you know, going into the last chorus, mm-hmm. uh, kind of breakdown. And and then it just ends. Did you really want to die? Boom,
2: done. Yeah. Oh,
0: you know, know it's just so- like a question
2: that's left into the ether. You just feel like out of breath when you when you get to the end of the songs. You're just like, I've been holding my breath to this entire, you know. It's just like that intensity is like, this was stop and listen music for me. Like we used to, we used to listen this record all the time. But I remember just really listening to it a lot and thinking about what was what I was hearing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I mean, you you get done with it now. You you need to take a breath. You're like, oh my god, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like what these guys are dealing with you know in a, a what 60 minute album that they mixed I mean they they, they probably felt obligated to to mix some some legitimate you know sort of punk into but then they put the um the cathartic sort of you know reflective songs in it it's like man mm-hmm. so that song ends and then it's like okay album's over and then you get
2: throw him tribute
1: was the most thing we could lose you here, was ever a was Matthews, sir, this one for you.
2: Final track on the album is a song written by bassist Jason Thursk. Originally titled Bro Him, it was on the band's debut album, self-titled. Then it was an ode to three of Thirst's late friends, Tim Colvin, Carlos Canton, and Tom Nichols. On Full Circle, the lyrics are changed to an ode to Jason. Retitled Bro Him Tribute, the band pay respects to their friend. It's a song about brotherhood and love. Jim sings, if you're ever in a tough situation, we'll be there with no hesitation. Brotherhood's our rule, we cannot bend. It's a lyric from the original version. In fact, most of the lyrics remain from the original version with only small changes being made, Jason's name being in place of the three friends from the original. And interestingly, they swap the original line, if I die, you die, that's the way it is, to if you die, I die. Yep. Yeah. And this song is just so good. I mean, they've been playing this one live. It's the, the closing it's song. It's the closer
0: for every show I've ever seen them play, and that's... Maybe. gotta be gotta be a dozen i don't know yeah man and an ode to a brother you know
2: moralizing uh, their friend with each performance i mean it's powerful
0: yeah and the, the, part of what i you know again we we heard it initially here um on full circle again not really knowing the history beyond the fact that jason thirsk had had died but you know his his brother is it justin i believe
2: yeah yeah he has the um guest appearance
0: yeah yeah he does some of the vocals um and and i think the outro drumming as well you know i think like the whole he's the drummer for 98
2: mute you ever heard of them
0: yeah 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 exactly yeah Yeah. and i I remember hearing it and it seems like they did it in like one take like they didn't really care what they
2: had to have done this in one take yeah i don't know how they could have done this Right,
0: right, because it's, it's minutes long, which for any punk song, let alone Pennywise, is an eternity, you know? Um, I mean, again, it's it's like a Viking
2: freaking farewell
0: among among this group of very, very close people that we're, sounds kind of cheesy to say, but we're like invited to hear.
2: The reason why I think that they must have just done this in one take, uh, Tafty, is there's two things, and they're honestly my two favorite moments in the whole song. The first one is when Justin from 98 Mute comes in and he's singing. And he dedicates the song to his brother and his voice cracks.
0: Yeah, the voice oh crack. God, yep.
2: God, that is heart-wrenching.
0: Like, yep, absolutely. Like one of the absolutely. most honest what, moments. Everything he's got into that one yeah. moment of that song.
2: Yep. So heart-wrenching. So you know that yep. like they, they had like one... Not that they had one chance, but they, they could probably only do this one time. They knew it was going to be tough. And so there's mm-hmm. that. And then another moment that I love in this song is the first time the gang vocals come in with the woes. And when it mm. first comes in, it's all over the place. I mean, it's out of tune. There's voice like they all it takes them like a beat, maybe less than a beat kind to come together into being, you know, in tune together. And to me, that's amazing, because they were all together knew that they were only gonna be able to do this one time. And it just really shows the spontaneity, or maybe not spontaneity, but just the what What am I looking for here? The um,
0: it, yeah, they were just uh, spontaneity, man. They were just in the moment. I, yeah. I never I never really thought of it that way, but I oh. can hear in my mind exactly what you're talking about. You know, they just came, they all came in at a different
2: whoa, you know, yeah, kind of pulls together, yeah, kind of being yeah. like, and I like that because you know, they, they weren't looking to record. A radio hit they weren't looking Hmm. to like make a polished song to me the crack in the voice and the slightly out of tune gang vocals tells me that they it was all emotion it was all about being in that room and creating this song this tribute to their friend and to me those are the best moments in the song
0: yeah man it was a tribute and it was healing absolutely so what about the uh the secret track you remember that at all
2: There's two things I remember about this. Is one, I don't, think I've, I don't think I've ever listened to it all the way through, except for that. No, it's like 15 minutes. It's like really long. It's a piano piece taken from the 1992 movie Poison Ivy, and really, really long. It's it's also the same piano piece is used to open the Unknown Road album, so they bring it back hmm. for Full Circle. You know I, I i'm familiar with it i don't think i have ever really listened to it all the way through except for that sleepover that we did before the warp tour when we put this record on Do you remember that we were all kind of falling asleep and bro him ended and we were all like our, the talking slowed down and then all of a sudden this, this piano music comes up from like you know my boom box or something and we all just laid there in complete silence for like the 20 minutes that this thing goes on for and i think that's the honestly i think that's the only time i've ever listened to it start to finish
0: And I'll tell you, man, what better to listen to at a sleepover when you're tired than 20 minutes of piano music? I I totally forgot until you just mentioned it, that that was from Poison Ivy.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I was actually doing research earlier today. I'm like, who the frick like wrote that? I, I you know I, I found some I found some information, but I forgot that was from that movie. I'm like, it was from some movie. I don't remember what, but it was Poison Ivy. That's right. And it was it was the uh, the beginning of the uh, the Unknown Road album. Nice. But uh, again, they like you said, it was 15 minutes long. Do you uh, do you want some trivia on who actually uh, composed it? Sure, yeah. So what I found is a dude named Ronnie, not Rodney, but Ronnie King. Ronnie King. Ronnie King. And what I found is that he worked for Epitaph Records as a recording artist from 1995 to 2000. He, I think after that, he he did some work, it looks like, for Interscope. So I don't know if he ever worked for like Nine Inch Nails or anybody, cool. but uh, I, I don't know the story behind how we came up with it or, you know, it must have been the score for Poison Ivy or something yeah. like that. It's what we liked uh, it or, yeah. Yeah, but the, the dude's like Grammy and Oscar nominated and multi platinum and all this other shit.
2: It's tickling the ivories on a Pennywise record. I, I
0: guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know, but I, I was compelled today, 23 yeah. years later, to look that up. Cool.
2: <laughs> so we're taking a look at the artwork for Full Circle. You know, there's not much to it. Yeah. It's, no. The layout was done by Jesse Fisher in uh, the band, Fred Hidalgo did the classic Pennywise logo. You know, it's just mm. a black cover. It's got the gray Pennywise logo. It's kind of perfect for this record. I think. Yeah. The inside uh, insert has the lyrics printed on one side and a, a picture of Jason Durst standing on stage on the other. It's got a Abe Lincoln quote there and a picture of someone's back tattoo. It's got Jason's name on there, the years of his birth and death. And of course, the Pennywise logo, brother forever tattooed on there. And that's, that's about it. I mean, it's just a record that came with not a lot of uh, pictures and words. Uh, the focus solely on the message.
0: Yeah, man, all black and white. Like, I'm going to speculate. Do you think, like, I always kind of imagine that the, the picture on the far right of the liner notes is probably Justin? You think that's his brother?
2: Uh, with the tattoo? Probably.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I remember getting this and really loving that double sort of panel spread of Jason Thirsk. It says, thank you. And he's got like a ear to ear grin. He's grabbing like a water bottle mid song. It's some giant packed freaking stadium, you know, or or show again, all black and white. I, I don't know. I, I love it. You know, the guy's just smiling, beaming.
2: Yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice layout. It's a nice, like, like we've been saying tribute. Full circle is another of a long list of amazing albums that came out in 1997. I've said it on this podcast before 1997 was an incredible year for music. It also has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of bands happened to put out records that year. And it was right in the formative moments of getting into this kind of music for us. I'll always remember those nights of bombing around in your stepdad's Ford Taurus and blasting (laughs) this album. (laughs) Dude, we got so much mileage out of full circle. You know, it seemed to be the only CD we had in the car and it just played and played and played and yeah, we, we happily let it. I mean, we just we never we, we left that thing in the CD player for like months,
0: absolutely. And I, I think it you know it, it might have been a tape player, we we, we may have made a copy of
2: it, might have been <laughs> even. yeah, yeah, You're probably right.
0: But I, I remember you know, that as well as yeah. a, a number of other albums from that, in particular summer, you know, 1997, yeah. that we could that we could go on for days about,
2: <laughs> we could we could totally. You know, those memories are just so firmly connected to these albums, especially this one, just driving around, hot summer nights, the sleepover party I mentioned earlier in my garage before the, or my basement before the warp Tour. This album is just a perfect for that time. I mean, it was just, it was loud, it was fast, it was emotional and to the point. You know, it was also a bit of a creative and technical jump for the band. So it was just a really fun album to get into.
0: Absolutely. Just very raw and man, what, what, a, yeah, what an intro. I mean, I'll put it this way. It led me down the rabbit hole. You know, everything Pennywise, you know, about time, going backwards in time and Mm -hmm. and following every album they released after that, seeing them live and, you know, my mid-20s when (laughs) I don't know if my brother-in-law is going to listen to this or not, but he and I went to a show in the Albany area. I don't know. We were probably, he and I were probably like 25 or so. He was maybe like 27 and Mm -hmm. we looked like narcs. We were like the old (laughs) men. (laughs) You know what I mean? And the funny thing is like, you know, we're, we're at the show and Jim Lindbergh, Randy Bradbury, they'll come out on stage and they look like us, you know, they're like these dudes in jeans and a, you know, ball cap. But, um, yeah, man, these guys are, are just a a group that I've enjoyed, enjoyed seeing live and enjoyed, you know, kind of keeping track of over the years ever since this album.
2: Yeah. 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 All right, man. Well, a huge thanks to band bassist Randy Bradbury for answering my questions and a huge thanks to you too. Tafty for connecting with me via the internet magic to talk about this album.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Much appreciated.
2: Yeah, I'd rather be bombing around town in, in, your, in the Taurus uh, listening to yeah, this Yeah, man, than... or
0: the Subaru. One yeah, way or the other. Or
2: my car, yeah, the <laughs> Subaru. Maybe soon, right? Maybe soon. Yeah, yeah, right. Talking Records is written and produced by me. Krista Makes from Lustin Jake supplied the theme music, and Craig does the graphic art. Be sure to check out the Talking Records website at TalkingRecordsPodcast.com. There you will find past episodes and other assorted goodies. Be sure to follow us on Instagram by searching at Talking Records Podcast. Drop us an email at TalkingRecords at and let us know how you got into Pennywise. Thanks for tuning in. Take care, everyone. Taft, it was good talking to you.
0: Good talking to you, brother. Much appreciated. Take care of
2: yourself. Likewise. Let's do this again soon. Sounds good.